0: Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Thank you, Cameron. Appreciate that. You know, when I think about that, I'm reminded of what it would have been like to maybe 3,000 years ago be sitting in maybe a little dark room and sitting there might have been cold. It might have been musty. You can imagine that, what it would have been like as Isaiah sat there and wrote those words. Maybe he had just a little candle going. He could barely see as he wrote that down. And he's thinking about the coming Messiah. And he's being prompted, obviously, by the Holy Spirit who tells him what to write. And he comes to that opportunity to write about who Jesus is. And he says he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father the Prince of Peace. And so we ask ourselves the question then, who is Jesus? Who's the Messiah to Isaiah as he writes that? 3,000 years ago, a 1,000 years before Jesus even comes, he sits and he writes these words. And I think the clue is found in those, those names that he gives to Jesus as he's looking forward to the Messiah coming. First of all, we find that he says he's the wonderful counselor the wonderful counselor, and that implies, if does not say straight out, that Jesus knows everything. He's omniscient, he knows everything. He would be the one that knows all, and he's all wise, and he's a wonderful, wonderful God in that sense, that there's an evidence of God in that, that Jesus comes in that way. And then from there, it goes on to mighty God. Well, mighty God implies he's all powerful. And so, again, we have this Jesus coming as God, all-powerful, almighty, omniscient, and then omnipotent, all-powerful God. What amazing that is. And so, as Isaiah looks forward to that, he sees that in Christ. And then, from there, you go to everlasting Father. And the word there, the emphasis there, is upon the idea of everlasting. And so, we know that when Jesus was born in a manger, about 2,000 two years ago, uh, when he was born there, he, it wasn't just the beginning of his existence. He had always existed, everlasting father, and he always will exist. He is the one who's the alpha and the mega, the beginning and the end. He is this great God that we serve. And so when Isaiah looks forward to that, to the Messiah coming, he uses words that describe the fact that he is God. But then he changes a tiny bit, And the last name that he gives to Jesus is the name Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. You know, When it comes to Christmas time, we think of this idea of peace on earth. And we know that that's really what we'd love to see. However, we also know that we live in a world of turmoil. We live in a world of fear. We live in a world of confusion. We live in a world of uncertainty. We live in all of those things. And I think most of us would agree there's anything but peace. But the idea being then when he writes Prince of Peace, he's talking about two primary things. First of all, that we can come at peace with God. We can have peace with God. You see, our sin has separated us from God. And because of that separation, there is no peace. But Jesus through the cross makes it possible for us to have peace with God. And then he's talking about a future peace when Jesus will come and reign over the earth and there's a peace that'll be there. And so when you think about Isaiah thinking forward about the coming Messiah, what's he talking about? He's talking about God coming in the flesh, God humbling himself to be a man, to be born in probably the most strangest way possible so that he could go to the cross and die, that we might have eternal life and have peace with God. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. So in that scripture, then we see the fulfillment of what Isaiah was writing about. We see that Jesus comes and is born in Bethlehem. In another place in the Old Testament, actually in the book of Micah, it predicts even the place, even the very town where Jesus would be born. It tells us that would be in Bethlehem. And so we know then that Jesus' fulfillment of all of these things that Isaiah wrote about, about, and also the fulfillment of Micah, he is God with us. He is Emmanuel. He's the one that certainly came to change the world. Over the last few weeks in our church, we've been looking at what people thought about Jesus, what Jesus meant to them. And the first one was the idea of what the shepherds thought. Could you imagine what it would be like to laying that field with your sheep thinking everything's fine, the sheep are quiet, we can't hear anything, there's no wild animals around as, as far as we can tell, and then all of a sudden, boom, this light hits you, this angel standing in front of you, and begins to tell you about this strange event that has taken place, this strange event that there's a baby born, the Messiah that's born, and it's just you ought to go see him. Can you imagine how difficult that would have been to be sitting there and to hear that, and then to have the angels saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to man. Could you imagine that? And then thinking, wow, that is such a great thing that has happened. Immediately it tells us they get up and they went and they found, sought out, found Jesus. And when they found Jesus, they were so overwhelmed by who he was. They were so impressed, if I can use that word, by who he was that he left there immediately. They left there and went to tell everyone they saw about who Jesus was. A little while later, about 40 days, Simeon. We talked about Simeon. And Simeon would would have been an older man that had been in the temple for many years. And he was such a godly man that God had promised him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. The, The idea of the consolation of Israel, the fulfillment of God's promise in that way. And so... We find that Simeon's in the temple and he's led by the Holy Spirit up to the temple. And he comes there and there's Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. And he is so overwhelmed, he goes over and he picks the baby Jesus up. And he thinks, everything I've been praying for, everything I've been asking for has now come. Israel has hope and the hope is found in this baby Jesus. And so he takes and he blesses Mary and Joseph and the babe. And then he predicts something, something that would not be easy. And that he predicts that this little baby would one day die on the cross. This little baby would go and die there so that you and I might have eternal life and have Jesus come into our lives and change us forever. It's amazing when he predicts that. And that actually takes place, we know, about 33 years later. And then Anna, the prophetess, she's there and she comes and sees Jesus and she's overwhelmed and she goes and tells everybody what she has seen as well. And so we have these witnesses to the fact that Isaiah's prediction would come true that Jesus would be born in a manger. He would be born there as a baby. And that he'd one day go to the cross and die that we might have eternal life. Jesus came to die in your place and my place to deal with our sin problems so that we can be what? Peace with God. That's what we talked about. Having that wonderful relationship with him. Not only eternally, but on a daily basis. God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God is made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. So we've talked about Isaiah uh, predicting that Jesus was going to come, the Messiah was coming. We looked at the night in which he came in Bethlehem as the fulfillment of that which Isaiah had predicted from the Old Testament along with some other prophets. But the question we haven't asked is why? Why would God send his son? Why would God send his son to give us hope? Why would God send his son so that something could happen in us that would change our lives forever and ever? And it's found in that last scripture we just read. It tells us that God is love. In this was the love of God manifested in that Jesus Christ came to earth. What an amazing thing that is, this love that God has. Now, I've learned one thing over the years, and that is that love is an action word. It's not just a description. It's an action word. It has an action that applies to it. If I said to somebody, I love them, and there was never any action to follow that up, I'd kind of be wondering, you know, is that really true? You know, I'd wonder, is this really what's going on here? Someone really, really, do they really love me or do I really love them? And so I've got a confession to make. Okay, here we go. I hate to make my bed. I know it's just everything you needed to hear this morning, right? And, you know, I hate to make my bed. I just, I just hate that. But my, my wife gets up in the morning and she leaves before I do. So I'm left with the job of making the bed. And, and you know, I just don't see any reason why. I mean, if there's nobody coming to visit, right, guys? If there's nobody coming to visit here, I mean, what, what's the point of making it? You you get out of it, you're going to get back into it in about 12 hours. I mean, I just don't understand that. You know, I don't get it. Why, why do we make this bed? And, and yet I get up and I make the bed and all of those things. Well, my wife is not that way. My wife thinks that the bed needs to be made and she loves the idea that the bed's made. As a matter of fact, if I mess up and forget to make the bed because I'm busy or whatever, if she comes to go to bed at night, she will make the bed before she gets into it. That's just the way she's built. She thinks that's the way it ought to be. Well, you know something? My wife leaves many mornings before I do and I get up and even though I hate making the bed, I don't see the point in it, I make the bed Because I love my wife, and it's important to her. You know, when God looked at us, he said, these folks, these people need hope. These people need a savior. These people need this, and because I love them, not that they're they're great, not that they're good, not that they've done anything wonderful, but because I love them, I'm going to do what's best for them. I'm going to send Jesus to be born in a manger, and then 33 years later to die upon the cross. That's how much God loves us. God wants to bring hope into our lives. And that name is Emmanuel, God with us. That's the whole point of it. God comes and dies in our place, goes to the cross, takes the penalty of your sin and mine upon him so that you and I can have eternal life. What did Isaiah think about Jesus, that he was the coming Messiah, he is God. What did the shepherds and Simeon and Anna and Joseph and Mary, for that matter, think, this is God, God with us. And what did you and I think about Jesus? I think Jesus is my Savior. I've placed my trust and my faith in him for eternal life and to change my life today. You know, I I think Jesus is the one that's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He walks beside me every day. He leads me. He directs me. He's the one I can call upon. And I think about this world that we're living in, and I think about how confusing it is and the fear and all those things that we've been talking about. And I'm thankful that there is a Prince of Peace, Jesus, who can come into our lives and give us hope and give us joy, and give us purpose, and he can change our lives in a way that honors and glorifies God. But more than that, he gives us eternal life. That when we leave this world, I don't have to worry about where I'm going, I know I'm going to heaven to be with him one day. That's the wonderful God that he is. You see, the love of God has a door. And that door is the one that I can step through. I can step through that and accept Christ as my personal Savior and invite him to come into my life. Now, you may be here this morning and you think, I don't know what to think about Jesus because, well, I've never really heard the gospel like that before. I've never really heard what how much Jesus loves me, how much God loves me. Well, here's your opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You say, how do we do that? Well, it's simply realizing that God loves us and realizing that God doesn't want us to perish. He wants us to go to heaven. That's his goal, to spend eternity with us. However, we need to realize that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We can't do that. And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place so that our sin could be placed on him. He paid the penalty of our sin that if we receive him as our personal savior, we have eternal life. We have a life that is changed to serve him. You say, how can I do that today? Simply by praying this prayer and asking God to do exactly what we've just been talking about, to come into your life and to give you eternal life. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. Now, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's your heart talking to God as God hears what your heart is. And he honors that. He says, to many as receive him, to them gave you the right to become the children of God, to be born into God's family. And so if we could just bow our heads for a, a moment and just close our eyes. This is a personal thing between each one of us and God. And if you've never received Jesus, you've never asked him to come into your life, and you'd like to do that today, if you'd like to receive this hope into your life, this one that brings joy, this one that gives us eternal life, you can do that right now. You say, how do I do that? By, again, by just simply praying. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you mean it, and you won't talk to God today, don't talk to me, don't talk out loud, just between your heart and God's heart. God hears that prayer, and he honors that. The prayer is simply this. And you just repeat after me and talk to God. Dear God, I realize that you love me. And I realize you don't want me to perish. However, I realize that I am a sinner. And I cannot save myself. Thank you for sending Jesus die on the cross in my place. I invite Jesus into my life. I place my trust in him and I'll live for him from this day forth as you enable me to do so in Jesus' name, amen.